Welcome to another episode of Pause and Pies. Today we have Jared Olson from Lombosky. What's up? Oh my gosh, thank you guys. Uh, today is sponsored by Domino's. Domino's. We, we've actually gone through Domino's, uh, Little Caesars, Rock Creek. Summit Inn, Rock Creek. Uh, what else? What other brand? I'm excited I missed the Little Caesars. Dude, the Little Caesars, actually, was it, was it, it was a decent day. It was a decent it day. It wasn't a hot and ready? Oh, it was hot and ready. Oh, we okay. got a little hot. What, what, actually, no, we yeah. made a little. I made was it a special, yeah, a special order for one of the Misty yeah. or something though. No, it's really. Anyway, we're hoping one day we just get like a local pizza place just to say, we'll give you one free pizza a week. You need the pie. We do, we should. They would we'll totally go, do it. They would probably do we'll it. We'll be there next. Pie. We'll go there and just give us one pizza a week because we do a little podcast and then, you know. They'll get like three views, right? I mean, thin crust with pepperoni and Italian sausage. Oh, nice. And then regular uh, jalapeno pepperoni. Ooh, I'm gonna need a jalapeno to start as well. Sounds fantastic. You guys, I love this idea, by the way. This is a fantastic podcast. Yeah, so, I mean, I kind of give you a rundown of the pods, right? I mean, but, um, again, I mean, this, this was actually an old, in an old pod that we, we kind of had an idea to do this. So we had a warehouse in our old office. And as a kind of a trial, as a test, we brought in pods and we built out some offices. And we're like, okay, we know it'll work. Right. And this was one of the original ones. And, and there never was really anything. It was kind of more of a conference room little thing. But I don't know, a little, you know, so it's vacant. That's why we would like doing the podcast. And the, We'll start shipping containers and pods, right? But That's perfect. And then the ASMR people probably love it as well. We just chew in the microphone and this yeah, goes to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. For sure. Yeah, don't be afraid to eat. Like, I want to hear like, chewing, Well, have you guys like, have you followed this ASMR stuff that's out there? No. So it's like a fetish for some people. And they just listen to YouTube and to audio clips of people chewing ice no. or popcorn and weird sounds. Really? You're gonna watch some little documentary and you can actually go have an ASMR experience and you lay on like a massage table. People come in the room and they just make weird sounds around you. And uh, it's, it has like a cult following. It's, just, it's pretty creepy. Not a fan myself, yeah. but I yeah. know some people definitely love it. You chew extra loud for us, you know. That's right. Yeah. We'll hook them up. Yeah. Um, so give us the rundown. Where you're from? Where you grew up? Nice. Give us all that. So uh, I grew up in Taylorsville, uh, Utah. So I'm yes. a warrior. Went to Taylorsville. What year? I uh, graduated in '03. Okay. Yeah. Same. What about you guys? Same. I was '03. Oh no! Wait. Where at? I went to Alta. Oh okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So we, you know, probably saw each other in passing. Somewhere. Somewhere. I was a uh, graduate '95. From Mountain View High School, Durham. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, grew up in Taylorsville. Um, met my wife in junior high. We were 14, and uh, we dated on and off throughout high school. We probably broke up, you know, 150 plus times. Right. Yes. Um, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, and then I served a mission uh, in San Jose, California, uh, when Spanish speaking. Okay. And uh, came back and, and resumed dating my wife. She had a couple serious boyfriends while I was gone. And uh, we dated for another year and a half before we got married. And uh, once we got married, we moved in. We lived in Collinwood Heights for a year, and then we've been in South Jordan ever since. And okay. we now have three boys. I've got an eight-year-old, awesome. a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. Oh, man. sure you're just busy as is awesome. Can be. I love it. So where, and then where'd you go to school after after 
high school? Did yeah, you, so after high school, school, I got I got my uh, associates as slick undergrad at the U in speech communications, mainly because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew you needed to talk, right? <laughs> so <laughs> communications, yeah, and it was like a fast program. And so um, I worked full time and went to school full time. I'd take 16 credit hours and hold down a 40 hour job. Um, and then I uh, went and got my master's from the University of Phoenix. Okay. And Phoenix gets some crap, but it was the best, it was the best school I've ever had. Um, it was incredible because the professors, like at, at, at the U, I had a lot of student teachers. And so, oh, really? they, yeah, I had no real experience. And I had one teacher who would give extra credit if you went to the local farmer's market just because he liked the farmer's market. It had nothing to do with class. Yeah. Um, like a math class. Hey, here's an extra credit. Yeah, exactly. Go over and take a picture and, and show us. It was yeah. weird. And that's kind of how, like, I, I don't know if I learned a terrible lot at the U. And not that it's the U, but I think it was just like the program compared to University of Phoenix, where it's real working professionals that just finished, you know, a, a long day and, and we get together and we talk about what they did at work that day. And my stats class was download this add on in Excel, plug in your numbers, and there's your answer. Like, why in the world would you ever get a piece of paper and a pencil and, like, figure out the theory behind statistics? Like, no practical application. <laughs> So I love that, yeah. and uh, yeah, so I'm a Utah guy, um, I have one, one sibling, um, and you is a super smart sister, so uh, I didn't do like sports or anything like that in high school, I wasn't good enough and didn't have a name to follow, <laughs> you know, I wasn't like in my blood. Um, Did you always fun. want to get a master's? I mean, yeah. was that something like, okay, I know for a fact I'll finish undergrad and then did you go straight to straight. University of Phoenix? Just straight in, and you're like, oh, I need an MBA. My last class at the U was on Friday, and I started the master's on Monday. Like, no stop, just get it done. You know, was that something, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious, just always interested yeah. on the MBA side, because um, I don't have an MBA. I've always, you know, I've just, I've always been on the cusp of just pulling the trigger, going and getting it. Yeah. I don't think I need it, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't think I needed it even 10 years ago, but that was just for me, but I was just curious kind of, in your in your profession, or like when you were in school, did you feel like okay, do I better have an MBA just to at least separate myself, yeah. or, or what was the kind of mindset? Two reasons. Uh, first and, and primary thought was I still didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, right? And communications I knew wasn't it, and I, I knew that some kind of element of business was. And uh, that's why I thought, all right, I'm gonna get an MBA here, get exposed to a lot of different aspects of the profession, and that should help me decide what I wanna do. And um, in every class, regardless of what it was, we'd always get to kind of the root cause of the business issues, and it always came down to people. And when you peel back you know, the, the onion layers, it was always people-centric, culture-focused, and I love that. That's what really got my attention, which is kind of what solidified that this world of people operations is, is where I wanted to be and focus on employee experience and, and human connection and, and company culture. So that was the first reason was, what do I want to do with my life? Let's go figure out by exploring a lot of different things. Um, the other thing I'd also say is I, I've always loved learning, and so I was excited about continuing to go. Um, but the second thing is, I give a lot of advice to upcoming you know, job seekers, and I think you gotta check all the boxes. You never know where you're gonna get. I mean, you're a business right. owner, yeah. and so like, do you need a master's? No, right? Like, your next job is probably gonna be another entrepreneurial endeavor. And so, why go get it? Probably not gonna help you too much, but if you don't know what you're gonna do with your life, 
never give a reason for someone not to hire you because you can't check a dumb box. Check it. Like, get your master's, um, an HR professional, you know, get certified, so like, get your SPHR, I have my SPHR on my SHRM SCP, and like, why? So I can just check the box. I don't ever want someone to say, well, we don't know because he didn't do this. Like, right. do all of it, so you just don't have to worry about it. Do you think you'd be where you're at right now in your career without it? Um, I don't think so because I think it really solidified what I want to do. Yeah. I think I could have had a curveball come at me after my bachelor's and said, go try this and be like, great, I'm going to go try that. So I do think that it's helped me because it helped me find love and passion probably yeah. more than anything. But I will say I'm dying to go back and get my doctorate. Really? Like, I, oh, really, cool. I, I yeah. really want to go. I have missed it. I mean, I graduated my master's in 2011 and it, I'm just... I need to go. Like, I want to go back, but I also don't want to invest the time in there. Crazy expensive. Now, I do believe a doctor is something you do not have to have. I think it's a, like not necessary, but it's just a passion. I miss learning. I really want to dive into a crazy dissertation and just lose myself in it for a couple of years. Yeah. Would you go by Dr. Olson? Oh, of course. For sure. Yeah. Like, everybody, no, not at all. That'd be super uncomfortable. But Would you ever see yourself teaching? College I have, yeah. I've, I've, I've done some side teaching just, yeah. uh, you know, for DeVry University, and I've built some curriculum for Argosy and for some others, so oh, yeah. I built out, like, their HR program. So if you go to Argosy University and get an HR degree, you can actually test out of the class in their master's program, and I help write that test. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Dang. So I, I do like teaching. I think it's a lot of fun. I mean, it fits really well with, like, the training world and space and... I like just having discussions with people and really helping them challenge the status quo. And like HR is a profession that needs tons of challenge right now. Um, so, you know, leading upcoming experts to think differently is just way fun and exciting. So, I miss school. I want to go back. Not right now. Sometime. It'll happen. Kids get a little older. Maybe, yeah. Honestly, I just like want to come here and pay for it. So, if Boss, you're coming and say, "Hey, I want to pay for your, your doctor," I'd be like, like, "Great, let's go." Oh, done. Uh, it's a great retention tool for your program. So, yeah. lock lock somebody up. Be cool. The other thing I want to do on my bucket list is to write a book. Another oh, yeah. another must do during my career. So, those are the two things career wise. Okay. Like, okay. So I've got a you know, 50 page outline right now for a book called Cultural Disruption. And uh, wanted to talk about how to really challenge the status quo and, and think outside the box when it comes to your employee experience and connecting with people. That's awesome. Yeah. I can write a book. If you had to write a book, what would you write a book about? Pizza. Uh, Pods and pies. <clears throat> there you I go. I think I would write a book about. CrossFit and business. No, I, 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 no I don't. I would never write about business. I would never write about working out. I would never. I, it would be more. Why I just feel like I would write a book of about like everybody else has said the same thing, and I feel like uh, you know maybe I would try to say it different, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't probably be very cool. But um, I don't know. Don't want to do it. it maybe maybe it'd be more like fly fishing. <clears throat> I grow fly fishing. Nice. And maybe some maybe some like a little book like that. I would, uh, what about, are you guys religious? Yeah. yeah. Would you write a religious book? No. Never. Mine would be partial. Mm. See, I, mean, I, I like my, my real answer, I would write like my story. Yeah. yeah. You're really awesome. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. I think if I wrote a religious book, here, but, uh, like I served, I served a mission in Ecuador. Okay. Um, 
and geez, I got back in 1999, like uh, December, actually December 98, right before, right before New Year, uh, right before Christmas. But um, yeah, I think if, if I ended up writing a religious book, it probably would be frowned upon. <laughs> uh, just, just, just because I like, I love disrupting church. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one of the reasons I love going every week. Me too. Is I just love, I, I love making people a little uncomfortable and making them try to think a little bit. And so my book would have to be something like okay, that. So, it was religious. So can, can we go down this? Chapter I go right down. Let's go down this, this battle. So um, uh, I've got two examples. One I'll share and then what question to, yeah, to yeah, pose. Yeah. Um, so I, I teach our, the youth uh, in our church, and then I also teach our uh, the elders quorum, right? Group of, of men. You got both. I got both. Good for you. Right? Double duty. I like it though. It's fun. And so when I was teaching the men, um, they came and said, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I said, I want to talk about what do you do when your spouse or children start to leave the faith? And like, how do you manage that? One, in your marriage. Two, with as a parent. And three, like, how would you respond to that with people that go to your congregation? Like, these are people we know. Do you start frowning upon them? Do you put your arms around them? And uh, the person over the elders quorum was like, are, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, yeah, I do. Like. Why? Not because I'm showing that or my wife is, but I think that it's going to be a new normal. I think we're going to see a lot of people slowly fall away from church. I think that's way true during COVID right now because people aren't going. This is going to be easy. This is going to be an easy step off point. Easy, right yeah, so yeah, simple. We're not going. I'm not coming back. So simple. So we did a survey for our, our church recently, and they said, "Who wants to come back?" And uh, it was like half of the half of the people. Um, I think it's an easy time for people to fall away, and so the question is, what are you going to do when it's your next-door neighbor, or if it's your kid, or whoever it is? And we had a most amazing conversation. It ended up taking two Sundays. We couldn't finish it in one, and everybody loved it. And, like, those are the kind of discussions that I like to have at church. Well, and it's those are the discussions that, for some reason, I don't know why some leaders, they just feel uncomfortable. It's like, they don't, they don't want to... They don't want to have difficult conversations in church. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, well, where do you want to have? It? I don't see have. To, I don't see ninety percent of these people through the week, even throughout the year. Yeah. But I see them every week. So the only place that I can have a conversation that might be uncomfortable, difficult, is, you know, during a Sunday school, yeah. you know, setting. <clears throat> and if you don't have it, dude, if you don't have it there, you're never going to have it. Yeah. And you're never going to get to understanding, and you're never going to get to some type of teaching moment to help certain yeah. people because there are certain people that are just they're, they're assholes and they're idiots and they're going to treat people poorly because they just it's not even necessarily falling away necessarily it's just they just okay they just choosing like taking a break or yeah. maybe something different no oh, yeah, I'm done I never was in it anyway you know whatever and then next thing you know they don't even know how to talk to a neighbor yeah. because they are so socially weird yeah you know they, th- they don't think they are but then they're just so uncomfortable. But those are that's it. Those are just kind of the mm-hmm. those are fun to have. Okay, know? so here's so here's and they're fun. To, I mean, they're fun to have at work. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are. Like if you're if you're in a work setting where you can't have those conversations of what you really you know because there's a lot a lot of a lot of things in common with people in Utah. Yeah. Even even if you're not you know religious, but there's a lot of things in common. Yeah. If you, it, so if you can balance even a workplace conversation with that, I mean, it's it's just it's a good setting to have. Anyway. Okay, so here's my question. Um, I was recently asked to pick a topic, and the topic I picked was a, a book by Mo Gadot, and it's called Solve for Happy. 
um, Salt? Salt. Salt. Salt for happy. He, he was the chief experience officer or something like that at Google for a while and um, at Google Labs. So they're supposed to come up with these crazy ideas. And his son tragically passed away um, and he was left trying to figure out like happiness. But he's a software developer by trade, so he like created this algorithm to create happiness. And one of the things that he found is that we are by default happy. If you look at a, a newborn, right, they get unhappy when unhappiness comes upon them. Like you have a poopy diaper. You change the diaper, the kid is defaulted back to happy. If they're hungry and you feed them, they're back to happy. So we are always happy. We just put things in our lives that create unhappiness. So I'm like, I want to talk about Saul for happy. And yeah. then the question was, well, is it a church book? I'm like, it's not a church book, but it's so applicable to like yeah. religious perspective and everything else. And so then like this debacle happened without me knowing where like this group of people got together. They were talking about like, do we allow Jared to talk about this or not? And I was like, whoa, guys, like <laughs> slow down. I, I just want to talk about happiness. Like yeah. that's okay. And so I found a talk from, you know, a church leader that tied in, and I was like, let's call it this, but I still wove in all the principles I wanted. So, like, what's your take? Do you think you should only be able to talk about religious things that come from religious leaders, or can it be any more? No, absolutely not. Okay. We're absolutely brothers. not. We're brothers. And it's just, those are the, those are the t it's kind of this, it's tough. I don't even know. I mean, is there certain direction and discussion from, you know, individuals that are just volunteering their time to leave, you know, a ward or these uh, these areas, and, you know, they, they, I don't know, they sometimes just get caught up in, like, crap, dude, I'm responsible if this happens, but so I think, I think that, they're I way too uptight about some of that, and they just need to, they're, they're worried about one person getting, like, upset, Yeah. and if you do that, even in life, you, you're host. Yeah. If you're worried about just only one, you can't, you gotta make sure everybody's happy. Everybody's gotta be happy. It just doesn't work. All right, so Danny, what's the translation to business then? And to like HR, we all talk to HR people all the time. They're so focused on the do's and the don'ts. And here we are coming into a church setting and saying, hey, what if we don't care about the do's and the don'ts and we talk about what matters? I think that's where HR gets into trouble is that we're so quick to say, well, the employment law says you have to do this. Yeah. And we need to change that paradigm. How do we get HR people to do it? That's what you do. Right? <laughs> that's what I do. What do you mean? <laughs> that's a good question, man. I mean, that's that's tough because you, as I, I would think as an HR representative, you have to have the company in the back of your mind, right? But also at the same time, you have to have that person. Like, who comes first? Like, am I protecting the company? Am I protecting the employee? Like, I think that's probably a really fine line to walk for HR individuals. It's like, okay, it, it is. And the diverse. How do I do both? Without getting in trouble, or like, that's a fine line to walk. Yeah. This could be inaccurate. This could be inaccurate. But my, my hunch is, let's say 50 years ago, the like if you look up, you know, you have 100 employees. The diversity of those 100 employees was, you know, very narrow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, most people are going to be the same. They just kind of conform. And, you know, anyway, and over the years, I mean, they just broaden and broaden and broaden the diversity. And so HR is just getting, it, it's harder and harder, not necessarily a bad way, but harder and harder to actually, you know, I shouldn't say make everybody happy, but it's just making sure everybody, everything's going okay. How are you being treated? You, I mean, the diversity, the, that gap makes it so hard for HR. I think they're and, raising and, and that, 
I think they're brought up through the profession saying they have to care yeah, about You're talking that. HR directors are brought up yeah. like, through the profession yeah. like that way. You get your SHRM certification, then you're going to be focusing on the do's and the don'ts and all that type of stuff. And I mean, I'm, I'm curious about this kind of from a victim perspective as well because, yeah, someone may have a felony, but how do you still see who they are as an individual? Yeah. And how, how does a background check not scare you from the potential of an individual? And, I mean, there's a lot of conversation around that right now with Black Lives Matters, and, yeah. and, and those that are incarcerated, the, the percentage of them that are, are black is more systemic than it is maybe necessarily a bad decision they made. And, and does that scare HR away? Yes, yeah. because of background training. So how do you focus yeah. on opportunity cost? Well, so the one, the one thing that, I know this word, at least in our industry, it gets thrown around a lot when you're talking about compliance, is individualized assessment. You're, you need in, in to say assess everybody individually, talk to them. So, for example, if you had a felony ten years ago, even five years ago, whatever. The reason why the EEOC comes out with some of these guidelines is is so that you can have a conversation. You can sit down with the person and say, okay, tell me what happened. You know, when you when you committed this crime, what happened? And if you if if you Spend the time to actually listen. You know, you know, maybe on a certain level, love that person, right? Then it's easier to make a hiring decision based off of the history because they, they, it could be a great story and it's just wrong place at the wrong time. Of course, it could be a, a total douchebag that is just a, it commits the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. You know, and but you have to you got to figure it out. But that's the one thing. Maybe. Maybe a lot of people don't spend the time. You know, it's like, I mean, they're so busy. They're overworked. I don't know if you think they're overworked. A lot of HR people, we always kind of think, dang, dude, HR, you're just overworked. You're underappreciated in a lot of companies. And I don't know, you know, maybe not like overall, but I, I definitely have seen the underappreciated, overworked HR professional. But they just don't have the time to actually sit down and like talk to somebody and say, okay, I, I know you have this, but we do, we love to hire you. Love you having here, but. Now, what difference would it make if you made time? Like, this is opportunity cost, right? Yeah. Is, is it about following your, your tactical HR work, or is it about genuinely connecting with one individual to another? Now, imagine we get a convicted felon that comes in, and we just show them a crazy amount of love, and we validate them. And the word I like to use is to behold, right? Going yeah. by gospel. How do we behold someone for who they are, the good, the bad, the ugly? And if they feel beheld for the first time in their life, what are they gonna do for employment? What are they gonna do for work? How are they gonna improve your productivity and help you generate well, more revenue? They're probably gonna feel even more committed to the job and to the company yes. because it's like, oh, they, these guys actually love me. I would say HR but, doesn't have a choice. You have to make that a priority to connect with people. Um, I envision a day, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this as well from the background check side. I envision a day where there's no resumes, there's no job descriptions, and potentially no background checks. Like, because we are just interacting with one human to another and getting to know them. I don't like standard interview questions because I want to just have a dialogue. I want to yeah. know who you are. And once I know who you are, I'm like, you're perfect for this. And I see you, you see us as a company and me individually. And so like, Let's build something together and also acknowledge that it's probably going to last for three years. Like, why are so many companies afraid of turnover? Like, embrace it. We're the place that's a catalyst for your career. After three years, you're going to go somewhere else and crush it. After three years, you're going to go somewhere else. 
Like that's average retention rate. <laughs> I mean, they're scared of turnover because they don't keep employees long. And because they don't right. have these conversations. And so when you don't keep them long, it's just, that, is, that sucks. It does. Turnover sucks. I mean, it just is always hire, always having to talk to people, always having to hire people. Like you just don't retain. And if you're not always talking to people, what are you doing, <laughs> HR friends? And like, I, don't, I don't know if I, don't, I don't know if I can see a world people really accepting like not doing any type of, of due diligence background check. Do wise. all of it. Don't do it on a piece of paper. Yeah, that's no, that's true. That's a great point. But and that's tough. That's weird that you say that because. Because even my own mind, it's so hard for me to even comprehend what you just said. Yeah. Even, you know, from my side of the table. And I think that's where HR needs to do a better job, right? And we need to have more conversation around seeing people having difficult conversations and acknowledging the data. The data says in the U.S. we retain people for three years. So what's your proactive approach to find new people? And so here's, here's an idea. I think that talent acquisition is a profit generating division. I think that when somebody is unhappy and starting to look for a new job in our company, for any reason, not that we're a bad employer, but maybe they just need a change of scenery. I need a change of scenery and new challenges every couple of years. That doesn't mean anything bad about my employer. What if talent acquisition stepped in and said, hey, I'm gonna help you find your next gig. What do you want? You wanna to go to a startup company? You wanna to go to a big enterprise company that's super stable? Like, what do you want? I'll help you find it, and then when they help me find it, they get a placement fee. They can sell my employee file, they can sell my background check information, they can sell everything. If I'm a software developer, the big question is what's your code look like? Well, let them see your code before they hire you, and then get paid a little bit of money for that. You know your succession plan, and then you're constantly proactively talking to new candidates to find out who are you, who would be a good fit. I can tell you today, I know the next person I'm gonna hire on my team. And I know it based off of the level of the role. If I'm bringing on a really senior person, I know who it is. If it's a junior person, I know who it is today. And we should know that. Town acquisition and HR should know that for the entire company. Any role that could potentially come up, who's the next person? We've gone through the due diligence. We've discussed compensation. And it ended with the second I have an open position, I'm going to give you a call. And I'm going to tell you. Now what that does is it lowers your time to hire. One company I had a time to hire of 54 days and I lowered it to 12 just because of that process. It saved us over $14,000 per new hire. And it's because you talk about people, and right. two people, and you connect. And I'm not worried about payroll, because I have an HRIS system that processes payroll, right? Or right. I can outsource that to someone else, so I can do what really matters and makes a difference. And that's finding, keeping great people, and actually seeing them for who they are. I've been through a lot of disciplinary coaching with employees who have, you know, a manager comes in and says, I want to hire, fire this person. And I say, well, let's look into what's going on. And what have you talked with them about? And we sit down and have a genuine conversation, realize their upbringing and who they are as a person, totally change the way we approach them, and they become top performers. And it's just because people want to be validated and cared about and Absolutely. seen and be held. That's what we need to be doing as a professional. I love, I love using that word, be held. Yeah. That, uh, Transitioning that word from yeah, kind of a religious. Have you seen that meaning change? Meaning to employ? No. Yeah. Have you seen that change? Like yes. When you started, like, what was your first HR career? So my first my first role was at a construction company, and I started doing sales. But because I could speak Spanish, I was translating a lot of hiring and benefit meetings and stuff like that. And I said, this is way better than sales, can I do it? And they said, give it a shot. So I kind of taught myself that in a construction world. 
and yeah, I was making it up, right? I was like, you can do this, you can't do that. I also did safety and compliance. Like I go on job sites and make sure that their safety rails were at the right heights. And I was very in that mindset. And then I stopped and just questioned. Um, and I think that's a, a skill that really is missing, is the ability to just question the status quo and say, yeah, a new employment law came out that says we're supposed to do this, but what's the opportunity cost? Like, is this gonna be good or bad for my business? And I think that's why CFOs and COOs yeah. really struggle with the head of HR because they're like, this just makes a ton of sense. Prime example, Motivosti is a recognition software, right? We just appreciate people. We look for good in others and celebrate that publicly and privately. And one in, in employee at a, at a local company, that's not a Motivosti client um, yet, um, we'll get him. Uh, said, hey, I want to go and share a post online about some of my colleagues and why they're great. I just want to spread some love about the people I work with. And HR came in and said, well, according to our social media policy, you can't represent the company and share anything online. And this employee's like, wait a second, I just want to talk about how great someone thanks. is. I want to say thank you on LinkedIn and Facebook. And the company's like, you can't do that. Why? Because they're so focused on the do's and the don'ts. They're not focused on the opportunity what cost. What you should do. What will this mean for an, a random employee to get appreciated from a peer? Will it deepen their connection? Will it send a message to the rest of the company what positive behavior looks like in job functions? Will it send a message to a potential candidate? Look, that's the kind of employer I want to work at because they look for the good in others. Like they missed a huge opportunity because they're so focused on some dumb social media policy. And why would, in your opinion though, why, why would a company come up with even a policy like that? What, like, what's the genesis? Like, they, oh, here's a, here's a law, let's translate it this way, let's interpret it this way, okay, now, no, you know, we're gonna come up with this policy. So, I mean, I just don't, it, this seems a little, it seems strange, but I mean, I don't know, I mean, we're, our company's only 30 employees, you know, I don't know how it'd be if we're 300 or 3,000, but it just, I think that there's a balance, and I think I could definitely offend a lot of my HR friends. So please don't take it that way. Just know that the way this is the way my brain works. Um, I think it's the upbringing. I think it's the. I personally really disagree with what you said earlier. Of HR is just overworked. One of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody comes to me and says, "Hey, I know you're slammed right now." I'm like, "How do you know I'm slammed right now?" And like. You're coming to me with a need, which means you're my priority right now. So like, I'm not too busy for people that come to me. I'm not too busy to network. I'm not too busy to help. Um, I'm here for you, right? So I, I disagree with that statement, and I also disagree that HR should be brought up through the formal education system because they're taught these things. They're taught the history of the, the first lawsuit that happened that had to do with discrimination in the workplace. And so it's fear. They're just managed by fear. And they don't stop and say, but if we lose a lawsuit, or if we lose an employee because of this, are we still okay? And are we better off because we stood to our values and to our laurels? So where does this change? With because us, this right now. I'm saying like, if you go and get your SHRM certification, like you're learning, do, they're teaching you do's and don'ts. Yes. Like, do you see it changing within SHRM? Like, no. no. And I so don't see changing their formal education either. I, I think that we need a movement of disruptors. So what HR people, people need a SHRM designation, do you think? Um, to check the box, yes. Check the box. But I mean to like, to go where you want to take HR and where you see it going, they don't need. They wouldn't need I think you need the checked. awareness. 
I think you need to be able to know the history to be able to speak to it, right? If I'm going to go to a CFO, and the CFO is, what if not a CFO, a chief legal officer, right? Yeah. And a lot of HR reports to them, they're going to say, well, what about this law in this county? Well, you need to be able to be intelligent and know what that is, and then weigh the pros and the cons of the opportunity cost, yeah. and speak to it. So I think you need the background. Um, in most cases, like SPA, or the PHR, focuses really heavily on unions. And the one thing I learned about unions is I never want to work with them. And then the second thing I, I learned is as soon as I finished the test, it all went out of my head. I forgot it immediately. Because like I'm, I just know myself well enough, I don't want to be in that environment. It's just two do's and don'ts, right? So like it doesn't fit my personality type. So it needs, if you need the awareness, you gotta go through it. But the real change happens with the way that we think and the way that we act. And educating business owners, what can HR do? Like, that's a big challenge. I noticed even within the Silicon Slopes, like as I have been out interviewing for jobs, I kind of scare a lot of people because they say, tell us about HR. And I don't talk about process. I talk about this stuff. Yeah. And they're like, wait a second. Wait a second. I need some <laughs> process payroll. I need do's and don'ts. Yeah. Right? And, I'm doing it. and I'm like, I'll hire that out and I'll actually help the business succeed, right? And so it is a lack of awareness. It's a, a poor history of what we've been doing. And we're seeing a lot of people make positive impacts. Several of them have been on this podcast already. Um, I love what Carl Soki is talking about with Human Connection as well, and Elisa Garn, and like that type of stuff is, is spot on. But we have to start the conversation. And to be honest, it can start with you guys. We talk about employee benefits, like let's talk total rewards compensation and strategy for a little bit. Is it just 401k and medical? Or is it a philosophy about your culture and your values and, and recognizing people and validating and leadership development? That's total rewards in my mind. Right. And when you think about background checks, like is there a day where we don't have background checks? And if not, how do we get there? Because we're beholding people instead of being so concerned about something they did when they were a kid and dumb. And every HR person when they get their background screen is always like, well, wait, what, what was that cutoff? Like, can I consider this or can I not consider yeah. this? And so like, how do we change that? And we all have a part to play in that as vendors and as you know people who work with the HR industry. Right. Well, this is a great conversation, by the way. Oh, okay, good. Uh, you never good. know, right? You never know. No, no, this, this, is is great. Great. this is great. I'm gonna switch gears though. Okay, let's go. <laughs> this is great. Okay, so I just, well actually, last question. So you started in construction, what was after that? I saw maybe JC Penny for a little bit. So I uh, went to Larry, so I taught myself HR for a year, went to Larry H. Miller and managed 12 HR people. That was scary. Okay. Um, and then I went to uh, another construction company and built a, a, a national uh, federal construction company HR program. And then I went to JC Penny and then I went to the fourth fastest growing company in Utah at that time and did operations and built Kind of built the business for them, okay. and now I'm Motivosity. Okay, so I have Motivosity head of head of customer, customer success. success right? So when I initially got a text from them, they said, "You want to do CS?" <laughs> I said, "No, like I'm not a CS guy. I'm an HR guy." But we sell our product to HR professionals throughout the world, so it's really like the easiest consulting gig of all time because I just get to pull a data set and look in their employee experience and, and talk to the heads of HR and say, "Here's what I would do if I were you." and yeah. why appreciation matters and how to be how to develop your leadership development and all that stuff. So it's it's all HR all day, it's all these type of conversations and trying to advance uh, our profession to become better. Are these clients calling you with problems? Um, or are you just checking in like, hey, I was doing like, yeah, more here's some advice that I would give, but nobody's really commenting, Jared, I have a big problem. Like, 
more of that. You guys are all, I think, I think, I would say you're probably, all of us are in the same boat because we all are vendors for HR people and typically they don't hear from us until the next open enrollment meeting or until okay. the next license renewal comes up, right? And so I think that's also a huge missed opportunity and that's where we need more people, kind of like what my role is, is to provide constant value and not just constant value in the world of, hey, here's a new employment law update that impacts your benefit offering but somebody who actually is helping make sense of it and speak to the data for that organization and strategizing with their leadership team. Um, and so I'm the, I'm the in-between value add, so that when it comes up for their renewal, they're a heck yes, we're renewing. Like there's no question yeah. in their mind. Gotcha, gotcha. So you are a big, I'm gonna say you're a networking guru. I like, I'm I'm, say that. I like talking to people. Okay. I'll say that. Give me your top three networking events that you either have created, been a part of, been to, too easy. Uh, <laughs> number one, uh, pickleball networking. That's a great event. <clears throat> it is the best event, right? Because pickleball is fantastic. And what so, how do you manage? How do you manage the dudes? How do you manage the dudes or gals that go there that sweat so bad that they have to like bring three t-shirts just so they don't? They're not embarrassed. You give them a big hug. Okay, I'm. <laughs> I'm one of those guys. Like, if I went pickleball, I don't care if it's in the morning or. I, I need two t-shirts. That's great. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, so here's my problem with networking, right? Um, I don't like how formal it is. I don't like that when you go to a traditional networking, <laughs> you got to dress up and have your name, name tag, and have your name tag, oh, and so you have awkward. your best performance the whole time, and you don't, you think I can't look at my cell phone because the speaker might look at me and realize that I'm not paying attention. Like yeah. it's the worst, that's right? The and worst. everybody's afraid. And you have to go back and do this really long report to your manager of what you learned just so that they know that you pay attention. It sucks. Pickleball is perfect because you don't have to say a word. If you're an introvert, you can go out and you can play with three other people on a court, never speak the entire time, and be totally engaged. Um, if you're super extroverted, not only can you talk to the people at your court, you can talk to everyone that's playing in the whole area, right? Neighboring courts and everything else, you can, you can switch teams up. and. Um, if you show up in high heels and a dress, then you still can play pickleball. Yeah. Like you, you can show up in you athletic know. gear and you can break a sweat and go through three t-shirts and play probably just as good as the people in high heels. Like it's an equal sport, mm -hmm. it yeah. changes the scenery, and there's nothing formal about it. And pickleball networking is amazing. Was that your idea? Yes. Love it. I love it. Um, the second networking group that I'd say to get involved with is Disrupt SLC. So if, you, if you're in the HR profession, everybody knows Sherm. Um, a lady named Jennifer McClure um, started Disrupt HR. Um, it follows the same model. So they're five-minute speakers. and they TED have, Talks, right? It's like TED Talks. They have 20 slides that auto-rotate every 15 seconds. It's not to have a lecture. It's to have five minutes to share an idea people have never heard of. So if there's something we've talked about here today that our listeners have never heard of, like let's spend five minutes on that, that would be a Disrupt HR talk, right? Right, 20 points, they're gonna go real fast, five minutes. Um, great event, very different from the traditional Sherm type thing, and, and a lot of fun. Um, the third best kind of networking, in my opinion, I'm just gonna call them failed networking events. Because <laughs> I go to a lot of events where, uh, not a lot, but some, where not a lot of people show up. And all of a sudden you get five or six people that go around a table and pull out some pizza and just start talking. 
They don't have an agenda to follow. They're like, well, we were supposed to talk about this, but tell me your story, tell me your story, and we just go around in a circle and we get to know each other. Um, I love those. That's why I like to individually network with people, and when I network with them, I don't ever talk about motivosity. I try to not talk about me. I just want to hear their story, get to know them. And if they like it, then we can do it again and I'll share my story. Um, but I just like learning about people and informal or crappy networking events where it leads to that are the best. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Also yeah. give you guys props for this. Also shout out Justin Severson, who does Sour, Sour Chatter. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really a fun guy. idea, totally different. You sit in the truck <laughs> for five, 10 minutes and he gives you a bunch of yeah. warheads Sour, and ask you, ask you questions. Chowder. And so you- Oh, that's a, uh, so he like kind of interviews people with- Yeah, with like, just warheads. Like warheads, oh my gosh, that's cool. It's awesome. We need yeah. more creative ideas like this. If anybody yeah, wants to sure. start, like I get a lot of people come to me and say, hey, you should start this networking thing. And I always say, why are you? Like I'm passionate about pickleball and I'm pickle, uh, passionate about talking to people about their stories. If you guys like pizza, this is it. Yeah. If you like warheads, it's sour chatter. Like pick your thing. I have a, my big hairy audacious goal is that Silicon Slopes is no longer held at the Salt Palace. You can go see Aaron Sconard at Pickleball, and you can go see Ruswana at K1 Speed, and you can go see different people in different informal settings where you don't dress up and where you're really casual and where you just right. get to know them. Like, that's the best kind of networking. That would be amazing. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, we have about 10 minutes here before you gotta go. Yeah, time flies. <laughs> uh, we always end all of our interviews with some. I'm not, I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> some would you rather questions. Yeah, these. Would you rather? I love would you rather. I play with my kid all the time, but you guys are like brutal. Well, I don't know. I, I, hopefully, we got some good ones today. Yeah. I think you. I think you went a little easy last time we did the would you rather. You think so? I think you did. I think you need to. I think you need to push the edge a little bit. I don't. The the tough thing is yeah, is finding that edge, that line. Because I don't want people to get offended. You need to be a little yeah. crude. But I want people to get offended. You need to You need to be. I need got to some pain here for you. So here's you got to shock them a little bit sometimes. It's like, do crap. Can we say that? Yeah. Can we actually post something like that? All right, I'm going to ask mine. Can I ask mine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, both of you. This is, this is my wife's. Okay? This is a good one. Okay. Because uh, we do this with our kids. We're doing this weekend. Would you rather have a tail on your head or a tail sticking out of your belly button? What kind of a tail? Like a dog tail. A dog tail. Belly button. Head? Like where in the head though? See, Forehead, that's the question. Back of the head, I, top of the head. If it's back of the head, I think head's obvious. Because you grab your hair and do like a, a ponytail. Oh, yeah, but if you do it in the front, then there's no, there's no way to hide that. Literally be a ponytail. Yeah, you, gotta, you think you got to dial in where the tail is like, yeah. comes out of Let's the forehead? Say, no way. Okay, then I, I agree with that. I'd go belly button if it's in the front of the head. Yeah, yeah. you cover it up. Absolutely. Tape it. You can tape it. <laughs> you tape it on your body, but you just get away with it. Never right. taking your shirt off. No, you're never taking your shirt off. Never. You can't amputate it ever. No. No. It's, it's, if, if you amputate it, grows back in like a day. That's and your shirt's just going to be whacking all the time. <laughs> yeah. You you're like, when you're happy, dude, you're just like a tape it. Because when you're happy, you're just, you're, they're going to think so you're going to act like a dog tail, too. Like, yeah, oh yeah. You're laughing right now. I can yeah. see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. Okay. Would you rather have a toenail or a fingernail pulled off? Fingernail. Fingernail. Okay. Fingernail. Done it, unfortunately. But toenail, I think, would be worse. Okay. Would you rather begin every sentence with "Hey, idiot," or end every sentence with "Ah, uh, I was just kidding." Ah, uh -huh, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good, though. 
Ah. Oh, I guess it's like, it's like a nervous yeah. laugh, though. You know, because if you know, <laughs> just just. Who's good? Yeah. As we have one, we ask. That's true. I guess we gotta start. Okay. I forgot. This is sports related. Um, you know who Tiger Woods is, right? You yeah. know who Barry Bonds is? Yeah. Baseball player. Okay. So, would you rather take a Barry Bonds home run swing to the middle of the back? Like you're, he's behind you. He's like, yeah, yeah. okay, Jared, it's coming. And then you're like, all right. And then he takes his bat and he just swings as hard as he can right in the middle of the back. Steroid era. Steroid, you know, steroid Barry Bonds. He's a full swing. Or Tiger Woods teeing off driver to the shin. And you're facing him, and he's like, all right, Jared, I'm coming. And then he just he, he takes a couple practice swings, and then he just, like, he's going to drive drive it down the middle of the fairway, but right See, this is to the like, shin. This is a terrible question. It is a terrible question. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go with Tiger Woods because I think he'll break my leg, and I'm going to have to be amputated or whatever. Yeah. But if Barry Bonds says it, I'm going to be paralyzed. And yeah. I'd rather have being amputee than be paralyzed. All right, yeah. All right. Well, what do you, what do you say? Oh, I'll, I'll take the back. I'm going very bottom really? of the back. I just, How come? I just think I can flex, you know? I'm gonna do one of these like little yeah. flexes and then the weight of the bat, you know, the energy is gonna kind of dis be distributed throughout my back, right? Mm -hmm. go, with me, go with me on this, go with me on this. They can, they can, uh, that can break when they're swinging. I mean, I feel like- Yeah, it might break. I think I'm gonna, I, I really think I'm gonna get a couple broken ribs and I'm gonna fall down, maybe can't breathe, and I'm gonna stand up and say, hey, thanks. Thank you, nice to meet you, Barry. All right, I'm gonna go. Dude, Tiger was the shin, you're, you're going. I mean, there's no chance. I mean, you're going to the hospital. You're going to the ER. You're gonna go right into surgery. I know I could get paralyzed. I understand that, but I really think I'm gonna flex. See, I don't think I have the muscle to flex. Yeah. That's probably why I would. I don't think I do either, but I'd still take it. <laughs> uh, would you rather have no eyebrows or no pinky feet? Eyebrows. Eyebrows. Yeah. Okay. Like permanently, right? Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Tattoo. So you're rolling with get you're a tattoo floor. Be a ninja or turtle. No. So yeah. Well, if you say ninja turtle, that's pretty sweet. But okay. Would you rather yeah, have no turtle. eyebrows or be like a ninja turtle hand? <laughs> I go ninja turtle hand, but if it's human hand, I go eyebrows because I just get a tattoo for eyebrows. Okay. Done. Do you still play pickleball with four fingers? Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, would you rather wax your whole body or get a cavity worked on with no pain meds? Wax. Whole, whole body. Right, we're talking head to head toe. To toe. Head to toe. You have to wax your hair? Well, but can yes, you buzz it? Your... What do they do for it? Would they buzz it and then, I then think wax it? It's probably got to be a little short. Because they can't like, just dump just wax on the top. Hair. Yeah. So they would buzz the head and then they Trim would just get a wax. Yeah. And then from head to toe. Or, say it again? Um, or one cavity worked on with no pain meds. One cavity with no pain Right. Oh. I, don't, I don't think I can do that. I think I'd have to do the wax. Hey, I might have to do the wax too. I, I'm not sure I can do. I could not do that. I mean, I've had, I've had sore tooth before. And like, I've had a cavity, and I don't like it. I don't think I can do it. And they're so sensitive. And if you're going to get waxed, you're going to go in and shave a little bit of yourself first, right? Like, you can't schedule a wax appointment without me being like, I'm going to prep for this. Yeah, well, I mean, you're gonna have to do something like I said, because yeah. I don't think they could just do your head of hair. Sure. It's gotta be trimmed. I'd be alright with that. I'd yeah. pick that. Right. But I have, I got hair on my knuckles. It's, yeah, it's getting waxed. Dude, everything. Everything? Yeah. That would take forever. Yeah. Have you ever burned? That would take like two days. <laughs> have you ever burned hair off your knuckles? Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, you prep that. You prep it, yeah, and you, you wax, there's nothing there. I waxed my nose the other day. 
yeah. When I got a haircut. It's a must. I did ears, and then I always put off the nose, because I thought it would be more painful. But actually, the ears hurt worse than the nose. Mm. That's interesting. I don't know if that's for me. But wax your nose. Done. Game changer. Would you rather have, you have to use eye drops every day with a face made of sriracha, or toilet paper made from sandpaper? Toilet paper. I can't touch my eyes. I like have sensitive eye. I don't know. I just can't do it. So when I see my wife change her contacts, I'm like, I can't do this yeah. right now. So I would. Hopefully, some calluses build up. Yeah. And hopefully, it's like. Have there's, you ever no there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. Hold on. What, what, what's the what's the what's the grit of the sandpaper? You got to be more specific. Well, the, the, the better question is how messy is it? Because have you ever heard of ghost poop? You poop and you're like, where did it go? Yeah. And like, one. that's a, that's a one wipe done. You're done. You know they make sandpaper. It's like wet sandpaper. They they use like you almost like. Yeah. You're not using, you're not using wet sandpaper. Okay, so this is at least something that's gonna scratch someone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Where'd you find these? You Google these or you come up with them on your own? Uh, we do a little bit of both. Come up with something. Well, you have to. Would you rather? Uh, okay, would you rather be a clown who distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides the bull? Clown. Clown? Because? Because uh, you can jump in those little things. That little barrels. protective barrel. Yeah, yeah you jump in. It's true. And, and jump over still fence. Hurt. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm fast. If bulls run at me, I'm, I'm going to get away. I'm going to get away, all right? I take, the, I take the clown. I'm definitely falling off if I'm a clown. I know that. Uh, would you rather have a freakishly huge smile or a freakishly small nose? Nose. Nose? Nose. Are you sticking to it? There's yeah. Some, your yeah, no. How big are we talking about? I mean, freakishly big. Freakishly. The smile? Yeah. Bigger than like, like a normal, normal human. You know those filters like we see people and like, their smiles are like... Be like or a filter a smile, nose. or just a little. <laughs> Dude, that's weird. I don't even know that's why I say that. That is weird. Because it's your not... face. This is yeah. like that's the focal point of your life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tiny nose. Maybe you never smile. Tiny nose. But can you explain to them? Well, I have this because I didn't want to smile. <laughs> sure. <dude. laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take yeah. that nose. Okay. But they gotta know, like, I would have had this huge smile. Think of how easier it would be to get your nose waxed. Yeah, dude, that's like, oh, it's way easier. Or maybe it's worse. Because you can get just, up there. Yeah, it was like, yeah, that's true. Okay. Well, I've asked this one before, I like this one, so I'm gonna ask it again. Would you rather have the neck of a giraffe or the hands of a baby? Oh. And this is like a six month old baby. Like, and this is a full grown giraffe. You doing this with your drink? Not, not, you got you two handed. You're two handed in every time. Two handed in. Or your your head is higher. Your neck, your head would be hitting the ceiling, and your body's right there. That's how. That's a giraffe neck. I mean, I initially went to <laughs> giraffe because then like that could that could be helpful in some cases <laughs> where small hands wouldn't. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with small hands. I said I still I don't think I have an answer for this one. Small hands, dude, for sure. There's no way you would do a draft neck. Because you couldn't fit in. Dude, anything. where are you doing? Like, how are you driving? I don't know. How are you driving? Right out the sunroof. Convertible. In winter? You can't sure. even see the speedometer. You can't see anything in the car. No one's talking. Everybody's talking to you. You just, that's it. 
get baby hands. Baby hands, do they? Yeah. I think you can. I think you can get away with baby hands. There's no way you get away. No, with there's no advantage of baby hand. Though. Like that's the trade. How do you put a shirt on, dude? Your hands aren't long. How do you true. get? I mean, it's like you're. It's flexible. You can. You it's know, a giraffe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get a giraffe tongue as well? Do you fight other giraffes? Can you go <laughs> fight other giraffes with your yeah, giraffe neck? Yeah. You go to the zoo. All right. So this one, people know that you're doing it. Would you rather wear a push-up bra all day long? And people know or heels all day long every day. That Steve Carell movie about Marwin, <laughs> where he wears high heels. Um, they know you do it. Huh? We can't hide the heels. No, but people just know it's like uh, Jared. Uh, I'm gonna go push-up bra because like moves are a real thing, right? Yeah. So like maybe you just need the support and yeah. and like how would you play pickleball in high heels all the time? Yeah, yeah. No, not all the time. Um, would you rather fight a horse-sized hamster or a dog-sized rhino? Uh, dog-sized rhino. Like not the dog-sized rhino, not like not a huge dog. Yeah, not average, but it's still you know it's a rhino, it's still tough. Like I go rhino. Okay. Because once like, again, I think I can just dodge it. You think you can? Yeah. But it's got the horn. It's okay. I'll dodge a horn. That's the one oh. thing you have to dodge. Like I'm good. Kind of. Dodge a horn. Uh, would you rather only be able to whisper or only be able to shout? See, this is tricky because if it's with family, whisper. It's like my love language is touch, so I just get like real close to like my family all the time. I'd be all right with that. That'd be awkward other places. Um, Can I carry like a megaphone with me everywhere? Like a microphone? Like how about like just yelling all the time? Yeah, you're just you're shouting all the time. Weird one. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with Yeah, I'm going soft talker. That'd be tough. Yeah. No allows soft talker. Like, uh, you learn sign language. Isn't there a yeah, sign language. Soft talker yeah, I think there yeah, is. There yeah, is. she can't hear him, and then he. Yeah, then she ends up go. They go to dinner, and then she <laughs> makes him commit to wearing the puffy shirt on Jalen and yeah. because she was a soft talker. Like she couldn't hear him, or he couldn't hear her. But see, if you're aware of it, you know how to get around it. And with technology nowadays, yeah, you'll be all right. You'd be good. Okay, last one. Would you rather have your breath smell like a bad fart, or have your laugh sound like a fart? Uh, <laughs> laugh, because you don't laugh as often as you breathe. But like. <laughs> okay. So you would avoid laughter as Can much as possible. Can you imagine though, like going to talk like? A networking event and just opening your mouth, somebody's with a hilarious joke, and you're just like, Yeah, no, that <laughs> suck. These are all terrible questions, though. Like, Again, I, I think I would like the opportunity to be able to share with them that I had to choose this. Exactly. It's like, Okay, hold on. My breath stinks because I didn't want to sound like a fart or something. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Oh, okay, we get it. We get it. So, what would you, so would you do breath then? Yeah, I think I, I might do. I'd go laugh. I just would hate not to. I'd hate to not want to laugh ever. Yeah. But like, who do you laugh around? Maybe I can socially distance enough so they just can't yeah. smell my breath. No. You know, it's like okay, I can I can separate myself 
so they don't think I'm farting all the time because I'm breathing. No, but like you, marriage, like that ruined marriage. Can I, can I try yeah. to, can I do whatever I can do to try to cover up the breath? You can try, but it's gonna smell like a fart. This is still smell like a minty fart. But what kind of fart? Like, is it? <laughs> I think that you just laugh around your friends and and colleagues, and you just say, "Hey, one of the weird things about me it's, is when I laugh." Just when I laugh. No, it sounds like a fart. I really, this is my real laugh. Yeah, and you can fake laugh. I mean, if the mask thing's Stands, you'd be good. You yeah. have a mask all the time. That's a hard one, Peter. That's a hard one. Yeah. Not a fan. Both are awful. Yeah, they both are awful. That's it. You guys, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank yeah, you. This has been great. Fun conversation. Great conversation. Love. Worst would you rather's. <laughs> yeah, those are some good ones. Take those home for your kids. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jared Olson, one of us. Thanks, man. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. And cut. Got it? Print it?